0: Yes, sir. Okay, this is chapter thirty, right? Yes, sir. Make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. It is to be square, a cubit long and a cubit wide and two cubits high. Its horns of one piece with it. Overlay the top and all the sides of the horns with pure gold, and make a gold molding around it. Make two gold rings for the altar below the molding, two on opposite sides the poles used to carry it, make the poles of wood, and overlay them with gold, put the altar in front of the curtain that is before the ark of the testimony, before the atonement covers that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. Aaron must burn incense, must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps, he must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight, so incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations gone. Do not offer on this altar any other incense or burnt offering or grain offering. Do not pour a drink offering it. Once a year Aaron shall make atonement on its thorns. The annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering for the generations to come. It is, the most, it is most holy to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, when you take a census of the Israelites to count, then each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life under his counted. Then no plague will come upon them when you number them. So each one who crosses over to those already counted is to give a half the shekel, shekel according to the sanctuary shekel, which weighs 20 geras. This half shekel is over, is an offering to the Lord. All who cross over, those 20 years old or more, are to give an offering to the Lord. The rich are not to give more than a half a shekel, and the poor are not to give less. When you make the offering to the Lord to atone for your lives, receive the atonement money from the Israelites and use it for the service of the tent meeting, and for the tent of meeting, and it will be a memorial for those Israelites before the Lord, making atonement for your lives. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze basin with a bronze stand for washing, place it between the tent of the meeting and the altar, and put water in it. And Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water for them. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash the water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This appears to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron, and his the for the generations to come. Start here. <laughs> yeah, so not the Moreover,
1: Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, But as for you, take for yourself the find some spices, a flowing mirror, five hundred shekels, and the fragrant cinnamon half as much, two hundred and fifty, and a fragrant cane, two hundred and fifty. And of cassia 500, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil a hin. And you shall make of these a holy anointing oil, a perfume mixture, the work of a perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. And with it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony, and the table and all its utensils, and the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and the labor and its stand, You shall also set them apart as holy,
2: that they may be most holy, whatever touches them shall be holy. And you
1: shall anoint Aaron and his sons, and you shall set them apart as holy, that they may minister as priests to me. And you shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on anyone's body, nor shall anyone make any like it in the same specification it is holy and it shall be holy to you whoever shall mix any like it or whoever puts any of it on a layman shall be cut off from his people then yahweh said to moses take for yourself fragrances stacti and anachar and galban fragrances with pure frankincense and there shall be an equal part of each With it, you shall make incense, a perfume, the work of a perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. You shall beat some of it very fine, and you shall put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting, where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. The incense which you shall make, you shall not make in the same specifications for yourselves. It shall be holy to you for Yahweh. Whoever shall make any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people.
3: Right, so um, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in Exodus, and so kind of the uh, so for those of you who've been here for been through most of the study, uh, how would you kind of summarize uh, what's kind of the main theme or themes of Exodus? If you were to someone would ask you, hey, what's kind of what's uh, how do you
0: summarize Exodus in a, in a nutshell, what, what would you what are, what are some of the answers you
3: New slavery. New slavery, yeah, right. Uh, it was, they're, they're going from an old slavery, not to freedom, right? Not to this kind of uh, total freedom, but from an old slavery to new slavery. From an old slave master to a new, better slave master. And uh, it's really significant that uh, when they're given the law in Chapter 20, uh, and then, when Moses uh, gets into the details of the law, the first topic he addresses is slavery, and the way they, the way that Israel would practice slavery, was, it was revolutionary. It was there was nothing like it in the ancient world, and uh, because uh, ch- that chapter twenty-one, basically, you, you become a slave. It's almost like you become a child. Like to become a slave of a family. Uh, Israelite family would be to become a, a, a son or daughter. And, and God was, this was the lesson that God was teaching. When you become a, a slave to me, you don't become this person that I uh, mistreat, uh, that I uh, neglect and abuse. No, I treat you as if you were my own child, my own son or daughter. And, and so God is teaching the world uh, this is what it's like to be a slave of Yahweh. What are, what are some other themes? Big themes in Exodus.
0: Yahweh is the God of creation. And, and how, where do we see that? Uh, in the Ten Plagues and the Ten Commandments.
3: Yes. And the Ten Plagues and the Ten Commandments correspond to what?
0: Um, the days
1: of creation and what God spoke to be.
3: Right, right. So we see... In the nature of the plagues, the ten plagues, and the sequence of those plagues, it reflects the structure of the seven days of creation. So you clearly see that. Uh, In Genesis 1, God speaks ten times. Genesis 1, God speaks ten times. Uh, God said, God said. There's ten distinct Hebrew phrases where it says, God said so the, ten, the those are the ten words, and, and 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 so the ten commandments reflect the ten times God spoke in uh, in Genesis one. The ten plagues reflect that the ten times spoke as creator. Good. What's another big one? Yeah. Not
2: not just not know
0: experiencing him, his power, and also demonstrating to the Gentiles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the, in the tabernacle, you see something very unique uh, that you didn't see in ancient uh, religions, that
3: uh, God is with them, he's present with them, and he fights for them. He actively fights for them, and there's a big cloud that everybody can see. And he defeats the, the world's, the history's uh, first greatest world power, right? Um, but there's a tension in that in that tabernacle. And what's the tension? That God is present with his people, but what? But what? What's the tension? There's also a separateness there. That the people must stay in the courtyard, and only the priests can go into the holy place. Can only go in the tent. And so that tension in Exodus, the the purpose of the tension is for us to mark that tension in our minds and know that Scripture will address that tension progressively. That as we move from the Old to the New Testament, Scripture is going to address this tension where God is present with his people, but there's still separation there, right? These tensions that we see are meant to be resolved by later revelation. So when I talk about a tension, I'm, I'm implying that this tension is going to be resolved later. But but note the tension. Uh, this is not a God's final presence. This is not the, 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 the end of the story. This is just the beginning of the story because there's this major tension. right? Um, what, what's another theme? I mean, we looked at God's name, right? God's name. His, uh, Yahweh, I am. Look, Moses asked God, what should I tell the people who your name is? Tell them, my name is Yahweh, I am. And so, Exodus is basically God revealing his name. He's revealing his name to Israel. He's revealing his name to the world. Remember, Pharaoh said, who, who, who's Yahweh? I don't know Yahweh. God, God shows Pharaoh in the first 15 chapters. Uh, who's Yahweh? So chapter sixteen and seventeen, on their way to uh, Mount Sinai, uh, God prepares prepares Israel to receive the law, and He gives them kind of a primer on the purpose of the law. And we saw two purposes: God reveals our sin. You see the sinfulness of Israel, complaining, uh, that wishing they would go back to Egypt, and we see how the law points the way to salvation. Some of the words there indicated. Uh, 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 indicated this this kind of not the law doesn't give salvation but it points to salvation chapter 18 remember Jethro worships with Moses Jethro Jethro is uh, Moses's pagan father-in-law and it's a preview of the world coming to salvation led by Israel there's a foretaste of that chapter 19 they reach Sinai and God establishes the reputation of Sinai God is a judge he will punish sin but also that Israel will be God's treasured possession. Chapter 20 to 23, we're given the Ten Commandments, the content of the law, that slavery is transformed in order to demonstrate this new relationship between sinner and holy God. Chapter 24 is a preview of the future, remember? Israel comes, up. God invites Moses and Israel's leaders up to Mount Sinai, no restrictions, they have fellowship with God, a preview of the future. Chapter 25 to 27, instructions regarding the tabernacle. God is establishing this relationship with with Israel, as I mentioned. There's a tension, though, because there's separation there. Chapter 28, how does Israel draw near to God? Chapter 28 is about the priesthood. We we looked at the garments of the priest, and what do the garments uh, represent? What do they symbolize? Remember? What do they look like? If you saw a, 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 a priest uniform... What would it look like? It would look like a garden. It would look like a garden. It would look just like the tabernacle, which was designed and patterned, and the colors were according to creation. So when you saw the tabernacle, when you saw the priest, it was uh, meant to meant meant for you to think about the garden and creation. Um, uh, we, we, we learned about that. You learned there in chapter twenty-eight that the, that the, the God's presence would fill each. A priest individually. Uh, that's what the garments also signify. And the priests of Israel, as they interceded on behalf of Israel, they also had a dual function. They also modeled to Israel their role as a kingdom of priests. In the same way, the priests led Israel to worship Yahweh, Israel were to follow the uh, priest's example. And they would know, they would learn that I too, uh, we as a nation as well, must be a priest for the world. We're supposed to uh, bring the world to the worship of Yahweh. So there was a model there in the priesthood. Chapter 28 dealt with the ordination of priests. Um, the priests mediate mediate God's presence and glory. And there was a, there, there, chapter 29 described an ordination ceremony can okay, I'm going to test you, those who were here Friday. How many animals were involved per day in the ordination ceremony for the priest? How many animals? There's about Three animals, three animals. What were those animals? Well, I think you got one of them. Good. One-year-old man. So two rams, yeah. One one bull and two rams. Uh this ordination ceremony is going to be expounded and expanded upon in Le- Levit- 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 Leviticus 8 and 9. So Le- Leviticus 8 and 9 complements chapter 29, so we'll see maybe a fuller, a fuller kind of a ceremony. But for now, chapter 19, 29, three animals, one bull, two rams. Remember, the second ram. All of the second ram is offered to God. The third ram, you get to share with the priest. How long do the, does the ordination ceremony last for the high priest? Seven days, so you 20, 21 animals, seven bulls, and 14 rams. Also, we learn that in addition to the ordination ceremony for the priest, that happens every time a new priest kind of comes into position, there's a daily sacrifice Three hundred and sixty five days a year by the people, right? Twice a day, one lamb in the morning, one lamb at night, a daily burnt offering, right? Um, and the burnt offering signified that all of I was giving all of myself to God, right? In the same way all of the animal would be burnt on the altar, so would I be a a, a living sacrifice. And so that's what the world would see every day. These two, these two, a burnt offering—one in the morning, one at night—and uh, it was, it was uh, apparently for some of you guys. It was a powerful, powerful uh, uh, experience. And so, uh, before I can, kind of kind go into uh, Exodus thirty, Exodus thirty, I want to pass around. Uh, sorry i sorry, I didn't make a copy of it. It was too busy. But here's a. This is the tabernacle kind of uh, um, tabernacle uh, diagram. Really simple. So if you want to pass that around, take a picture. And that'll help you kind of visualize kind of what the tabernacle uh, looked like. That's why I'm going to study Bible. I have a little nice little so drawing there for you. Uh, okay, let's go to verses 10. Verse, uh, 10. And this light plan. So whenever I have an idea, the light will go on. So we get to pay attention. They have a really good point where the light goes on. Okay. <laughs> all right. And when it goes off, that means that my mind is blank. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what all right. just all right, uh 1 through 10, uh, we look at the incense altar. The incense altar. The incense altar was one pe- one uh one of the pieces of the furniture inside the holy place. And it's very interesting that the it, the altar of incense is uh, uh, is is put here and described here because if you go back, go back to chapter uh, chapter twenty five, and so in chapter twenty five, uh, it's a, a description. Of the furniture of the furniture that belongs inside the tent, inside the holy place. Okay? So there's the Ark of the Covenant, that's in the most holy of holies, within the holy, in the, in the Most Holy Tent, right? Because the, the Holy Place, it's, a, it's one tent, there's two sections, and uh, there's the most holy section, uh, that can refer to the whole tent or just that, that one of the sections within the tent, and the holy of holies. That's the that's where the ark of the covenant would be so chapter 25 it describes all all the furniture within the holy place so you have the ark of the covenant you have the table of show bread you have the golden lampstand. and then it moves on into chapter 26 for instructions for making the tabernacle right so you would think that you would also mention the incense altar too right since that's in the holy place why don't you just include it in chapter 25. Moses doesn't do that. He waits a few chapters. Chapter twenty-six. You have the you have the the, the tabernacle. 20, Twenty-seven. The bronze altar, which is just outside the holy place. You have the court of the tabernacle. You have the priest garments. You have the uh, the chapter twenty-nine. The ordination ceremony for the priests. And then in chapter thirty, he goes back to the altar of incense. This piece of furniture that belongs in the holy place. And the incense symbolized what? In the Bible. What is the burning incense symbolized? Prayers. Yeah, it, it represented the prayers of his people. Uh, go to Psalm 141 real quick. Psalm 141, uh, verse 2. Uh, may my prayer be established as incense before you, uh, David uh, David prays, and then in, in Revelation it makes it really clear, uh, uh, over and over, where you have the imagery of incense and, and, and the prayers of the saints, Revelation 5, verse 8, uh, and when he had, uh, okay, good. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, sorry, I, I missed the point. So going back to why the why the placement of the altar of incense? Why in chapter thirty? Why not with the rest of the uh, the, the tent furniture back in chapter twenty-five? Uh, <laughs> we don't know exactly. Uh, for sure, but one suggestion is that it follows instructions about the priesthood uh, because uh, this was the last piece of furniture that the high priest would come to before he entered the most holy place, right? So if you look at this diagram, if you have a picture of that, inside the holy place, there's the... There's the table of the bread of the presence. You have the golden lampstand. And to the left of that is the altar of incense. And so when the the high priest would make a sacrifice at the altar of burnt offering in the court of the tabernacle, he would wash himself uh, in the bronze basin. He would then enter into the holy place. And before he went into the most holy place once a year, the last piece of um, furniture he would stop at, would be at this altar of incense. so um we, we think that 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 may be that could be a, a possible reason. Um, uh, and, and just a side note, uh this is the free freebie, why why is the worship toward the west? Why is the worship toward the west? Well, why is there why would the, the, the backs of the priests be toward the east? And why would the worship toward the west what because the sun rises and falls in the east and back then everybody worshipped the sun right Mm -hmm. and so this was to show that no the the, the sun god is not god Yahweh is the god and you see that in ezekiel made made really uh made made really explicit that their their their, uh, their backs are toward the sun and Psalm 19 has that kind of implication as well, right? The sun rises. The sun's not the God. God's the one who, 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 who rises that sun. So, um, so there's this there's this incense of being of, of, of being offered to God. And uh the verse one and two, it's it's smaller if you look at the compare the dimensions. it's uh, kind of getting the nitty-gritty here. It's, it's the, the bronze sacrifice altar, which is right outside the tent. The incense would be altar. It's it's uh, covered with gold. What does gold represent? God's glory, right? And um, it has a molding. Why do you think there was a molding in verse 3? Why do you think there's a molding around on the top of it? So there would be kind of like a, you know, like a little edge. So, any, any former smokers here? I hope. And any present smokers? In the ashtrays, or is it, is it flat? No, it's an ashtray. It has a, it comes up, right? Why? Why isn't it flat? Yeah, to hold the ashes in. Because without the, the round thing, that it would get really dirty. The wind blows, and the ashes just come. So you have this. Kind of, uh, molding around it to hold the incense, the ashes of the incense. Um, and, and, the emphasis here is where, in verses one through ten, um, the emphasis here is verse six. It's the, it's the placement of where the, of the altar is. Verse six, it's in front of the veil that is near the Ark of the Testament, or the Ark's in the most holy place. It's in front of the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. So it's right there. That's that's what's being emphasized. It's there that that placement right in front of the veil uh, where God's presence would meet over the mercy seat over the ark. Why do you think the incense altar was placed in this location? Why exactly there? Why not toward the beginning of the holy place, to the right of the table, and to the right of the golden lampstand? Why not, why not outside the, the tent uh, between the bronze basin and the tabernacle, and the most holy place? Why, why, right, before, why right next to the most holy place? So what, what does the incense represent?
1: Okay. And so,
3: um, what's important about? Oh, I have an idea—a <laughs> really good idea. <laughs> um, what's important about prayer? Prayer is communication, right? And when you communicate with somebody, what's important about communication? They listen. What? They listen. Okay. And what's okay? And what's really helpful in listening? <laughs> yeah okay. But what's something common, right? When uh you know when Evil and Candy went on the first date, when the when they went to the cafe, evil didn't sit here and Candy would sit over there. Like, hey, how was your day? You know? To communicate you have to be close, right? You have to be close. So why was the incense altar right next to the ark? I was a the place there no, when I went to talk to God. Yeah, listening to you and me. And me and yeah, you You're all there Exactly. If the incense represented prayers, it needed to be right next to God's presence. Right? It's right there and, and God, to show that God hears our prayers. That God wants God wants a God wants a relationship. God wants to hear us, and yet, what? There's a tension, right? Because there's a there's a curtain there, so he wants to hear us. He's close to us. He wants a relationship with with us, but there's there's something there's some there's a separation there. There's a tension that needs to be resolved. It was a uh, uh, it was a uh, it happened in the morning. When did this happen? It happened. Uh, uh, let's see when uh, at twilight. And every morning, so every morning, verse seven, uh, and at twilight, when he would um, in the morning, he would uh, the high priest would uh, blow the candle, blow the candles out of the lamps off, and um, blow them, blow them out at twilight. He would light them again, and so uh, we can assume that this the timing of the offering. Uh, it coincided with the morning and evening sacrifice. Remember the whole burnt offering I talked about, that Moses talked about in chapter 29? So whenever that whole burnt offering, uh, happened in the morning and the evening, this, uh, this incense would also be offered, right? Um, this, this declaration of, okay, all of, all of us, all of who we are is being offered to you, God, and, and so hear our prayers. Hear, hear us talk to you. Verse ten: There atonement also needed to be made for this this uh, piece of furniture. Uh, Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, um, it was consecrated. It was consecrated on the Day of the Atonement. Verse ten: It's most holy to Yahweh. There's an emphasis in chapter thirty about on the holiness of God that uh, worship is holy. That it's special, it's unique, it's it's something very serious, and so that's what that's what you're going to see uh, kind of uh, over and over again in chapter 30. Now we move into the census census atonement payments in verses 11 through 16. There's a little mystery here um, on kind of the purpose of that, and uh, the commentator that I kind of like the most and his uh, take on it. Um, was this. Do do you remember a census being taken in the Old Testament? Remember David
0: taking that census? And did God like it? Like it? No, No, he
3: didn't like that. He didn't like uh, kings uh, taking censuses. He didn't like this number taking. And and David, he took a census because... uh, uh, he, he counted all his soldiers because he wanted to uh, conquer more territory, more uh, uh, territory outside the Promised Land. And uh, God didn't like that because uh, to go to war was it was it was something that God commanded. God commanded this war. God commanded war for Israel. Um, so in the ancient Near East, there were two reasons why he took a census. You needed to see how many. Uh, Soldiers you had in your army, and for taxation. Um, But since uh, Israel, uh, you know, you you know, the the law itself already gave gave uh, a number of what the taxes should be. They didn't need to take a census, and because uh, only God would call people to war, only God could call Israel to war. um, You know, censuses were really rare, and so. Uh in the law, it's like built in that that there's going to be a temptation for Israel to be like the other people and to count their army and to go to battle without receiving approval by God. Uh, God already knows that, that you know what, I, I don't think you're going to do the census correctly. You're not going to do it right. Uh, and so there needs to be an atonement. Uh, whenever you take a census, because I already know... You're not going to do this very well uh you need to uh give a shekel and this shekel was a was price of an atonement and uh, and so there's this um, god is kind of a, uh um you know giving a, an insurance policy for israel for uh for the census now look what it says if they if they don't do it if they don't uh uh, uh pay this this if, if nobody pays the shekel. Can I make a y- Yes. Um Thank you.
2: You,
1: you. think that David had, you know uh, he might he might be uh proud and he's hard, you know. I want to know how powerful I am uh, uh against my enemies. Uh, yeah. So yeah I want to how yeah. the I'm yeah. sorry. I, yeah, I, I, I could have been,
3: been part of that too. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's definitely part of that. And so look what it says in verse 12. When you take the census of the sons of Israel to number them, that each one of them shall give a price of the covenant for himself to Yahweh when you number them, so that there will be no plague among them when you number them. See, there's a warning there. If you mess up on the census, I'm going to send a plague. And, and what happened with David? A plague was sent. And 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 and, and you heard it first, back in Exodus 30. Um. Let's go to we move on to verses uh, 17, um, 17 through twenty one, and uh, there's some laws uh, for a washing, the washing of hands. That 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 bronze basin is just outside the most holy place, and so um, you know some commentators say that this was a there was a twofold reason that. Number one, it was just a hygiene that God was, this is kind of, this is before germ theory and all that kind of good stuff, and and so he was teaching them a hygiene, and and I don't know, I don't know, I don't don't quite buy that. I need to get a good argument to really believe that. I'm sure it had maybe a a distant, you know, kind of distant kind of effect or a, a collateral effect, but I don't think that's the intention there. I think the emphasis is really on holiness, that it was to show, this was a symbol, that whenever the high priest would enter into the holy place, into the presence of God, they needed to be holy, that it was teaching Israel that whenever you come into the presence of God, you need to be holy. And so uh, it, it stressed the importance of purity and righteousness and holiness. Uh, whenever any type of work was done in the tabernacle by the priest, or with it, whenever it was done uh, within the holy place, the priest needed to wash their hands and their feet. Because what? When you see something, um, when you see a dirt dirt on your shirt, on a white shirt, what do you, do you kind of, I mean, it's a little, it's a little, little spot here who cares just a little spot you know? you know you go to the dry cleaner and you wash it all off because it even that one little spot here even though the rest of it's all white you still wash it because there's something off about it um even you ever you're eating food or seaweed and you and you bite into a piece of sand it's just like one piece of sand it's like Ugh, it kind of ruins the whole thing um
1: yeah. You, yes and, uh, yeah, yeah. <coughs> The Navy, they use a white uniform. Yes. And they they are not allowed to eat uh, pasta
3: while they're wearing that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's really good. And so, God is teaching uh, a lesson through the priest that holiness demands purity. Whenever God's people saw the priest wash themselves, serving God, they they would be reminded that if I'm going to be a kingdom of priests of the world, I need to I need to be pure. I need to be holy. And so the, the priests were a model of that. Um, it's so serious that look well, what, ha- well, what 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 happens if you don't do that? They need to wash with water so they, they so they will not die. Um, <laughs> you don't wash your hands. Uh, the, penalty is, is the penalty is death. Penalty is death. This is really serious. Now how does how, how 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 do we apply this principle in the church in this new covenant era?
1: First John chapter one, verse eight and nine. I think. Mm-hmm.
2: So it is we, we, we say we, we don't have this we don't we don't have sin, yeah. how can we have communion?
3: Yeah. With, uh, with God, yeah. So you have a confess of sin. Yeah. So it's not a, um, you know, we don't apply this by making a rule that you know that we have kind of ushers at the door. saying did you wash your hands when you came to church? You wash your feet. No, we come with a pure heart, right? The, the purity is is, in, is is inside, um, is in the heart. So
1: we, we, we must, move, like, all wrote to the Corinthians, chapter eleven. We must come, you know, prepare. Yes. yes. Always. Yes. Always, you know. Yes. We don't come yeah. here to. Yes. Yes. You know, just to yeah. drink and, right. and That's right. all. But, right. Right. You know, we come here with the purpose. The purpose. It's right. Our
2: hearts um, must yeah.
1: be prepared for that. Yes. yes. You know, yeah. I mean, it's very important. So there, there's, you know, yeah. God is teaching us that
3: here. So yeah. So important for for all of us. Amen. Amen. Yes. Come with your pure heart. Um, what else can we do we learn about worship from chapter thirty? What else can we be instructed about worship? What do
2: you
1: see? What stands out so far in Exodus 30? The oil. Okay. The formula. So the oil. Uh,
3: the anointing. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, mean, you got meat set of good, yeah. Cedar, you know, this oil is special. This yeah. Is special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Kennedy. I
0: think also like a, it's like a lifestyle that's being taught to them. How
3: right. Do. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This yeah. is like a daily part of their lives. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Coming to God, washing, painting,
3: all that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's also there's oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it's costly, personally costly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, five hundred shekels here, two hundred fifty shekels there. It. Right. It's, it's, yeah, shekel is not it's not cheap. It's no. meant to you know worship is meant to be personally you know costly. Absolutely. Yeah, and just even more general than that, you see order here. You see precision here. You see this thoughtfulness. There's a lot of thought going involved. It's not like come as you are and just let your heart go and, and you know, just we start at any any time and, and we just, we're free with that. No, there's none of that. There's none of that here in the worship of God because he's holding. He's holding. Yeah. Um, we move on to the kind of the anointing oil. Uh, the anointing oil, and and this also is a symbol of holiness, of purity, of separateness. And uh, you see kind of uh, what the the oil, the composition of the oil is made of in verses 23 and and verse 24. Uh, um, You have uh, uh, 500 shekels of of myrrh, um, uh, fragrant cinnamon, um, cassia, and uh, see this mixture of uh, anointing oil, and so all the all the uh, all the kind of instruments that you, that we that was that was mentioned in chapter uh, twenty-five through thirty. Now Moses says all of that needs to be anointed. Uh, look, the ten of meaning. Uh, the ark, the table, the utensils, the lampstand, the utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, the labor. You know, you, all need, you need to anoint all of those things with this sacred oil, because all of that is going to be, is, is supposed to be holy, separate. Look at, it's kind of interesting at the uh, verse uh, 32, verse 33. It shall not be poured on anyone's body, nor shall you make any like in it the same specifications. Right? Um, It obviously would smell very good, very fragrant. And there would be the temptation to what? You know, kind of create Calvin Klein, you know, kind of perfume and... And uh, eternity, you know, with Polo or Chanel. I don't know the, the latest perfumes in uh, 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 men's, uh, what do you call it? What's the men's perfume called? <laughs> Cologne. Cologne, yeah, right. Uh, so, you can't make your own personal perfume there. This is, this is just for God. Yeah. If anybody's tempted to uh, make it for your own personal use at home, um, Verse 20 th- th- verse 33 that, that that person shall be cut off from his people maybe death even and well, this is how important this is you know back then you know it was hot you sweat they sweat a lot and so the oil uh, would uh, would help with the priests they're working they're working they're offering sacrifices and so even the way the priests smelled needed to be taken care of and this oil would help with that. And so everything about the priest who he looked who he smelled would give off this uh, image of purity right cleanliness holiness and that was what, what, what the, you know, that was what the oil was for uh, but you can't use it at home you can't use it for a hot date <laughs> hey I gotta, gotta date tomorrow I'm gonna take it from the tabernacle I couldn't do that you see the same thing with the, the incense in 34 or 38. We we, t- we looked at the incense altar in verses 1 through 10. We already looked at that. Now, uh, uh, Yahweh says to Moses, this is the composition of the fragrance that you're going to offer on the altar of incense within the, the most holy place right before the ark, right outside the tent. And so you have all these, uh, yeah. uh, uh Onicha, Galvanum, Frankincense. These are coming from different... Uh, Different uh, plants within the mid Mid, mid- East. and then this is a, a big deal. Verse thirty five: I mean, When you make it, you need a it, this perfume. You need it needs to be the work of a perfumer. You need a professional to do this. Um, it's salted to preserve it, and uh, and that's the that's the incense you are going to use, right? When you think of Nadab and Abihu, and they offer strange incense, it was probably, i had a feeling just based on this—it was probably they just threw whatever together. Ah, God will take anything, and God says no. Um, again, the same warning here. Whoever, verse thirty-eight, whoever shall make any like it to use as a perfume, shall be cut off from his people. Um, if you think the smell is not nice, and you're having dinner guests, you can't use it. To uh, make make your make your house smell better. Now, what, what what is God? What God is doing here? He's he's making clear. He's establishing these categories. There's holy and there's unholy, right? There's holy and un- unholy, and everything associated with the tabernacle that's holy, right? It can't be used for everyday life because that's unholy, and God was doing this to what? To teach them, to remind them that God is holy. That God is not like your dinner guest. God is not like, uh, you know, uh, even your closest of friends in your family. He's holy. Treat him as holy, right? So this would be like a tutorial, a a lesson on what is holy and what is unholy. Otherwise, if you mixed everything together, it would give the wrong impression. It would teach the wrong message. And there would be confusion about who God is, and there would be confusion about who they need to be as God's people, right? Uh, God is holy. Everything associated with the worship of God is holy. The priests are holy. You are to be like the priest. You are to be holy like the priest. And therefore, everything associated with worship must be special, serious, um, to, to highlight God's nature, and, and this is how the people need to be. So th- there you go. There's chapter 30 for you.